the free for all roundtable round two Joining me on round two, Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association, Max Valiquette, advertising and media guy at the Diamond Marketing Group and Montreal radio commentator, and like I say, Dowson, good morning to all. Morning. morning. Okay. Good I, morning. I, I'm going to start with this. May be one of the less consequential, considering a number of things they have to talk about, but it might have more effect on day-to-day activity for ordinary people. And like I say, Dowson, have you noticed any increase in the amount of phishing and potential scams showing up on your phone? You know, I think I have. Like I've been asked to pay bills for courier services which I have, you know, that look like UPS, but aren't. And I've been getting stuff from phony stuff from Bell. So, yeah, I think I have, although I can't say for certain because it's super anecdotal, but I do get a sense that the people I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting played a bit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's anecdotal on my part too, Max, but but I, I do feel like I'm getting more of it. And But the upside is I'm recognizing it because it's happening so much. That's actually a great upside, Jerry. Uh, but I, uh, I mean, it's funny, right? You got a text message from the Royal Bank of Canada or something, or uh, <laughs> Rugers, and they're uh, telling you that they're going to completely delete your account unless you send some critical personal information to them immediately. Obviously, yeah. you never click on those links. The, the thing people have to remember in all of this is whatever organization or company you've been giving your information to or you have a legitimate relationship with is never going to contact you in this fashion demanding something private or really consequential from you like this and if people just have that mindset it makes it a little easier to do to avoid this stuff but what is true is that as soon as we have a new form of communication or a new channel of communication scammers will get on it and will try to scam you out of your money so that's just the way the world works now Excuse me, Tim, I'll jump to the next topic with you, and that is because I know you've got a couple of school-age kids, and you may be able to put $400 in your pocket with the two girls um, because of a program that was announced, uh, and the the education minister told me less than an hour ago, well, actually, we announced this some time ago, we just got around to uh, starting to get the money out there. Was this a good idea, especially while they're fighting with education workers? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. You know, yeah. 400 of my tax dollars back, and it'll go right out of my pocket, Jerry, quite frankly, to our math tutor. Uh, look, I, I like programs like we used to have when it came to daycare, where the government allows us to choose how we're going to spend it, whether it was, you know, informal care or formal daycare, what have you. And for sure, we're going to use it this way. I mean, this is, a, we needed to catch up, right? We lost so much. We had the longest lockdown, for goodness sake, Jerry, in Canada when it came to education, and I think the longest state or province level in North America. Our kids fell behind. You need emergency measures. I wish they actually extended the school year a bit longer, took away some PA days for catch-up, but what they're doing around you know, tutoring in the schools, uh, assisting parents for their own private tutoring, investing in schools and ventilation, it was a comprehensive plan. I say God bless them, and that money for gold. I'll get it today, and I'll yeah. send to my tutor next week. Alright, now listen, I, I'm normally behind the idea of tax dollars back in the pockets of the taxpayers. This specifically, though, is not taxpayers across the board. It's those who have kids in school, and, and like I say, Dawson, I stick with my talking point which is it's tone deaf to do this while you then turn around and say to the education workers, we don't have any money. Exactly what I was going to say. In fact, I think it's ridiculous. And if they took all that money that they're going to give to families, which is nice to have, I guess, but doesn't add up to a real solution and hired some after school tutors and made the schools available to people after hours and hired some more teachers and dealt with some of the teachers issues I think the kids would really benefit from that, and so would families, so would parents. I don't, I don't 
this is a trick that the Quebec government likes to play too. Like here, we'll give you some money. And it's like, if you took all that money, the lump sum that that represents and actually hired some more people, we wouldn't be freaking out as much as we are about kids falling behind and that kind of thing. I think it's a poor use of public money. How's it look to you, Max? Yeah, $200 sounds like a lot of money, but the truth is it doesn't directly solve any lingering issues around education. And it also puts parents in a situation where they have to go and uh, do extra work to do something with it. It's great if you're a parent who can be in that position and you already can afford a math tutor. It's 200 bucks is a, a, a few tutoring sessions and that'll help. But if you can't afford that already or you don't know what you should be doing with that money, it doesn't actually help you. I have a feeling an awful lot of parents are going to be using this money as part of overall household expenses. It's not going to get earmarked for education, which is the point here. All right. So, um, Tim, you used to be the leader of the Ontario Conservatives. So from your political background, do you agree or disagree with those people who are saying that Doug Ford needs to go to Ottawa and testify at the Emergency Act inquiry? Two points of view here. Like, I can see why, if I were premier, you'd be sucked into this mess there, right? A distraction, because clearly a lot of this is about the navel-gazing, the indecision, the weak-kneed approach of Ottawa police, Ottawa leadership at a national level. So do you want to mess around with that? Secondly, I'd actually like to see him go personally, because I think Doug Ford did a fabulous job in taking on the protesters that were taking place in Toronto and took place in Windsor, assisting those municipalities of the appropriate use of the Provincial Emergencies Act. And they can say, yeah, these guys were a mess. I, I mean, it's, there's, I think a lot of this is about a couple of liberal buddies and the mayor of Ottawa and the prime minister trying to cover for themselves. They're drowning here. They're trying to pull somebody down with them. So I think Ford can make that clear, but I don't blame him for trying to avoid that chaos. Well, I, okay, but uh, Max, he's the premier. I don't know how he avoids it and, and not look like he's just ducking the thing. Yeah, he's already spoken out quite publicly in a very sort of straight to the point Doug Ford fashion about how he feels about what happened and what needed to happen. So I don't think he should have a problem with testifying and being part of the official record on this. Part of your job as a politician is to be a part of the official record on this. And I don't often say this about our premier, but I think his point of view here would actually be fairly valuable. And since it's already out there, why not just go and do this as part of the way that you serve the public good? I definitely think he should be there. And frankly, you know, his 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 point of view is really critical here because we're also dealing with a provincial police force that needed to be engaged as well directly within his purview. So I think it's actually really, really critical to have all levels of government participate in this. But I don't see why he wouldn't want to, frankly. Yeah, and we're chock-a-block with investigations. And one of them is how did we spend $54 million on a fairly simple app, the ArriveCan app. This is not about whether we need it or didn't need it. That's a different topic. Um, we got it, and it was $54 million. And so as part of the attempt to give us information, they put out a list of this company got this much, and this company got that much. And then I, I couldn't have made this up. And um, two of those companies, one being Ernst & Young, came out and said, no, we didn't. We were never involved. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, there must have been an error, said Ernst & Young. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like it was a massive screw up. And um, I think there really does need to be some uh, forensic accounting done here because my kids use the ArriveCan app. And they said, well, yeah, like it's no big deal. It's like it's pretty straightforward. Like an app costs... 80 or 100 grand to develop normally and uh why was this one such a like i think one of the conservatives called it a boondoggle and that seems accurate so somebody's gonna have to go out and sniff out where this money actually landed because that's public money and i i think the union guy had it right he said we really didn't even need an app we could have just 
could have just had staff to check yeah. people's, yeah. you know, vaccine status and whatever the heck it was that they were looking for, you know? Yeah, I, I used it, but I never saw the great value in it. And Tim Hudak, uh, this was an error, a boondoggle. None of that is strong enough. It's starting to look to me like a scam took place. Certainly looks like it, Jerry. Jerry, what they should do is what other governments have done uh, in the past, both conservative and liberal, hire a forensic accounting firm. Go in there and look at every penny. Chase the money trail until it ends in somebody's pocket. Make that crystal clear for voters and get the money back and go after the people that scam the system. And if a government member was responsible for not proper oversight, they should lose their job. Look, governments have a lousy record when it comes to running technology. They tend to get taken advantage of. This is actually small change compared to the billion-dollar boondoggle we saw in e-health provincially years ago remember that one yeah. if you want to stop more e house you got to go after this type of app right away and track down every penny can you imagine max if you woke up one morning and you're looking at the news and oh look they've got a list of where the money went for the arrive can app that's interesting and suddenly you see diamond marketing group 1.5 million dollars and you're going what I mean, is there a monopoly card somewhere that says bank error in your favor? For like million? I, don't I don't remember that one. Look, this, this is, I'm just amazed that anybody did get paid. Like, we're, we're, is it not the same people who did like the Phoenix payment system who would be responsible for this? How did the money actually get in anyone's, anyone's, anyone's hands is my question. I've in, in all my time doing this, and look, I've worked at a number of advertising agencies where you do go after government rfps and uh, and do try to produce um uh in my field it would normally be communications but something for the government after a, after a proper uh, request for proposal process i can't wrap my head around this one so i've, I've never heard of numbers this big i've never heard of uh, for for what's being developed i've never actually heard contractors say we don't know how we got on this list or what happened so we do need to get to the bottom of this. I don't think it's going to look like anything we've seen before because this is weird. Like as someone who's done this for 20 years, this is really weird to actually have someone from Ernst & Young saying, we don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all. That's we really weren't involved. All. And, and uh, one of the tech companies said, we don't even do that kind of work, uh, much less having been hired to do it. Meanwhile, I said, we're chock-a-plock with investigations. And uh, the other one is, another one is the uh, inquiry into the Nova Scotia mass shooting. And what we're being told is that Brenda Lucky, commissioner of the RCMP, was trying at the request of the prime minister and Bill Blair, the minister of public safety to get information on the exact weapons used and the RCMP officers doing the investigation didn't want to yet release it. And so it looks to me, and like Brenda Lucky, and we've heard some recordings now, I don't have time to play here uh, because we'll run out of time, but it looks to me like she was trying to carry water for the government as opposed to let her officers do a proper investigation. There's a lot of questions about what went down in Nova Scotia. How did they miss it? How come they didn't put out a warning to the citizens? It just seems like, a, I mean, the death toll was so high. So many people were killed. I mean, it's just awful. The whole thing is just terrible. And the police seem to be very ill-prepared. So, again, I mean, I, I do think because it's public money and because so many people died, I think probably there does need to be some kind of investigation. And it sounds like, you know, the problem with policing is that, it, you know, it's not you're not supposed to be answerable to your political masters. But unfortunately, policing becomes politicized a lot of the time. So I I need to know more about what was going on there. Like, it does sound like the head of the RCMP was capitulating to some kind of pressure. It's not clear to me what it was. And meanwhile, people were being shot 
by a guy who was known to the community as being a big risk. I, yeah. The whole thing just looks so terrible. I, yeah. I really do think we need to shed more light on it. I don't think it looks good for Bill Blair and the Prime Minister either, but I thank Tim Hudak, Max Valiquet, and Anne Legacy Dowson. I'm Jerry Agar. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.